The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages zero to eight. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood experts, Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss, and make the most out of every chance to teach play and love. Parents want the very best for their children and are inundated with information and advice, some of it less sound than others. Join Rachel and Claire as they sort the fact from the fiction, redefine what matters most, and equip parents with the confidence to provide the experiences their children need to thrive now and in the future. Hi, Claire. Long time no see. Yeah. Hi, Rachel. Here we are again. I, You know what? I know we usually chit-chat a little bit, but I'm actually really eager to get to today's episode. And I actually just saw you recently in real life, so we've already yeah. done our chit-chat. We um, have done our in-person, in IRL, right? Yes, in real life. IRL. We were just together yesterday, and I had the joy and privilege of getting to watch you present IRL in real life. So you do a presentation three-dimensionally in front of humans, uh, not not on a webinar for once. And mm-hmm. uh, you were speaking to a lot of parents yesterday about child development and about parenting. And I sat there taking notes myself and I thought this has got to be a podcast episode. So we just kind of pivoted this morning and decided this is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. I was, you know, going back in front of people, I've done that a lot in my career and I have done so much virtual presenting the last few years. I was even thinking like, am I get, do I still know what I'm doing? <laughs> even, uh, but I've done it a couple of times now and I feel um, as I, at least I'm as good as I used to be. What, how good that is, is up to the audience's um, definitions, I guess. But it is fun to be with parents because I think that in person, I mean, all of this work we do, hopefully even this podcast is really helpful for parents, but there's something good about being together and hearing questions in real time and having that dialogue, seeing what's resonating with people, seeing their faces light up or their faces scrunch up and questions. And I said yesterday, and I'll say it again here, is that hopefully this conversation feels like a gift, an end of the year gift where we're going to smuddle through all of the messages you all get about what you should be doing as a parent and how you should be feeling guilty if you're not doing all these things. And actually, you don't need to do that. Our gift to you is to muddle through it for you and tell you what actually matters the most. And I remember yesterday when I said that out loud, one parent just looked at me like, sure. Yeah, he was a little skeptical. (laughs) And you called him on it, which I like. I say, I see that that look on your face. So if you are in your car or taking a walk or, you know, cleaning your house right now, listening to this podcast, and you too just scrunched your face up at Rachel saying, (laughs) we're going to give you a little gift. I'm telling you, stick with us. The wisdom is coming. (laughs) And I thought it'd be- I'm not going to solve all your life problems, but maybe I can make this parenting thing just a little bit easier. That's the goal. That's the goal here. So I thought it would be fun if we set this conversation up sort of like a little game, like a true false quiz. Uh, and we will, we are going to test the listener and then we're going to talk about it. So we're going to start with this one. This is actually a great one because it makes me laugh just to think about it. True or false children know the difference between fantasy and reality before their third birthday. So we're talking about a little one and two year old friends toddling around. Mm -hmm. They're walking, they're talking and they're, they're telling some, some, uh, half truths sometimes. They're telling some tales, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny. It's funny 
after the fact. Sometimes in the moment it's infuriating, but it's funny when you see your three-year-old telling you something that is clearly not right. Like right next to them is the evidence of the ball they threw and the thing they broke. And yeah. they're saying, I didn't have anything to do with that. Whatever it might be, um, they they really can't. They can't tell the difference. So but the thing I think to remember is, so when they're telling you a half truth or not a truth, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know that they can't make it so without by saying that and they're experimenting with that they're trying to figure that out so you could and they're telling you what they want to be true i don't want to have done that right <laughs> they don't right. really know that cause and effect thing so well so they didn't mean for that to happen yeah. they didn't know that it's going to happen and so that's that's what's going on there and you can help them a little bit through that by saying i that is what you want or that's what we wish was that was what happened, but let's think about what did happen and how we can change that for next time. Just talk them through that. The other thing that they don't know is this concept of theory of mind. And this idea of theory of mind in a nutshell is that you and I here, Claire, are having the same experience. We're together, yeah. but we have a different perspective. We're in different spaces. We have different experiences. I don't have kids at home right now. You have kids at home right, right. now. Just little things. So a young child doesn't understand that other people are having a different perspective in the same situation. So if you say to that young child, how would that make you feel? They might be like, well, <laughs> I got the toy I wanted, so I'm all set. We're good. We're good here. <laughs> I love that example. Um, it's and, so true. And they can't, right? They can't, we can't hold them accountable to because their brain can't do that yet. They're not trying to not get it. They're not trying to lie. They're tr they're just figuring out how all this works. It's so true. And they just, it's not, so when you're a young child, your ones, your twos, your threes, say, I, I didn't break the vase. I, 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 that, I didn't throw that ball. I, 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 they, and they're looking at you with their big eyes. What they're saying is I, mm -hmm. I want this to be the truth. This is the truth. Yeah. And I have decided in my little head that this is the truth, the tr my truthiest truth. <laughs> and they're not really lying to be malicious, right? We're not talking about mm -hmm. a child with a, with a prefrontal cortex that's ready to go and their air traffic control over their brain is out to lunch at the moment. And they are just, this is it. So of course that doesn't mean you're going to go along with the lie with the charade. You get, you have right. to, you know, you're going to have to work through that, but maybe just a little dose of empathy from you saying exactly what you said, Rachel, I know you wish that that hadn't happened, mm -hmm. but in fact, I have some evidence right here. That this is <laughs> I have some news for you. I mean, the, the, the whole thing about the cause and effect, they don't, yeah. They haven't had enough life experiences to know when I throw a ball in the house, it might knock something over. Right. They don't, we know that because we've lived that That's over right. and over and over. They've just got a couple of years on the planet. They're just collecting the evidence right. still to help them understand what is always going to happen or likely to happen. So helping them through that is, is really important and not feeling like it's directed at you or they're trying to get away with something. That's right. They just really aren't malicious. They don't even have that. They don't even have the capacity for that emotion yet at that age. Exactly. So it's really not, it's not a, what's happening. It's not a calculated situation. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Another true false. And this is one that hits really close to home for me because I have three kids and they are, well, let's just say the milestones all happened at different rates and ages, which caused some stress. Uh, a child should be reading before kindergarten. True or false, Rachel? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people think that one's true. That's right. However, that's right. 
However, a child, most the children, the sweet spot, the sensitive critical period for reading development is between five and seven. So most kids start kindergarten at five. So before kindergarten, not it's not necessary. I don't want this to come across as I'm saying that you shouldn't focus on reading, early reading development before they're that age, but you shouldn't pressure them or spend an inordinate amount of time or almost like tutor or study unless they have some sort of identified or suspected delay. Then you really want to think about all the rich experiences you can do to foster reading because they're building up, like, think of that iceberg. We use this analogy so much. Like, you see the tip of the iceberg. That would be when they read. But yes. beyond, underneath it, they have to love reading. They have to be interested in story. They have to understand even that left-right orientation. That's right. Sentences. That's right. Even just, like, the letters, that they're symbols. They make sounds. There's so yeah. much they need before the reading. That's right. And if we push so much on them before they even need to be ready for it, then we skip some of that really important foundational development and we might we might accidentally f make them not really love reading. That's right. And, oh, what a That's bummer right. that would be if we do that. And so they, when they can read, great. And it's so important for the rest of life, but they don't have to be reading. If, they, if it naturally happens at age four, great. That's fine. Children have different developmental trajectories, right. but that should be a bonus or like, great. Oh, cool. This one child, their trajectory that they were able to do it early versus, oh, they're behind if they don't, if they're not reading before kindergarten, that's something kindergarten teachers really work on. Yes. So that is, um, to make sure, making sure that they love it and that you're thinking about all the foundational skills they need to get there versus getting them there sooner than they need to. And I'll tell, say one more thing. Yeah. There's no research zero research correlating reading before kindergarten with any kind of outcomes that we're looking for. That's for right. Children. That's right. There's no one that's like a CEO of a major company going, well, it's because I was reading by the time I was born. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just, it's not a thing. It's not reading. Reading is important. So yes. important. And not before kindergarten. That's right. It's not a question on college applications. It, they don't yeah. ask you on your admission form to Harvard. What age did you start reading? They don't care. Mm -hmm. It's not relevant information. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. And I also exactly. think this is a good opportunity to, to plug another possible false truth that people walk around with in general when you're raising young kids. Earlier is not better, not just for reading, mm -hmm. but with a lot of other milestones. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a really important thing to think about is because we've all now... And I'm really thankful for this. There's the amount of knowledge people have about early brain development and the importance of early learning is fantastic. I've been in this field for 30 years, um, but and it, and it was like a hard sell at the beginning. People are like, that's just daycare or, I, you know, that's just kind of like my kids will play all day. And then the real yeah. learning happens somewhere else. Like now we know this is really important stuff. Yeah. Early care and education is so important. But that doesn't mean that we should push down academics. In fact, something I actually love is I look at K-12. They're trying to add more project work and interdisciplinary programs. Guess what? That's happening in a good early childhood program. We should be pushing up. We should be helping the trajectory go from the bottom up 
versus pushing it down because that's actually what the research tells us is good for kids. Earlier is not better. And in fact, they should have longer times that they're playing and immersive and joyful and hands-on. That's what we need to learn. That's what happens in early childhood. Let's not take that away by pushing down a false expectation of what it means to learn and know and what education should look like. That that would be, that's harmful to kids and we don't want to do that. Did you know that you can get the Teach, Play, Love brand of learning for your preschooler every day? The very people you trust for parenting advice are behind our Bright Horizons preschool program. Learning adventures that inspire kids to reach their unique potential. One-of-a-kind preschool for your one-of-a-kind kid. That's Bright Horizons. Enrollment is happening now. Visit brighthorizons.com to find a center near you. So this brings up another issue, another true-false question, a dichotomy that I actually live in personally because I, I live in a pretty nice suburb where a lot of family, a lot of the adults are high achievers and they're trying to raise high achievers. You know, I, I also guilty of this sometimes myself. It's this, this uh, truth. People seem to just think if this is true, that when it comes to kids, more is better. So we just talked about how earlier people think earlier is better. Now we're talking about is more better, like more enrichments, more tutoring, more sports, more clubs, more activities. It's exhausting. It's it's hard on them too, right? The, the the busyness of it all is hard is harder on them sometimes because they can't control it. So, uh, uh, you know, and I lived this myself. My kids were in competitive sports, and it got. I would just say, like, can we all just hold hands and take a big giant step back, parents? But you're in it. You're in the swirl of it all. And it's, it's very hard. So that's actually what we need to do. All of us, all of us take a big giant step back. Uh, so maybe, maybe some of us will do it listening to this, but I guess a couple when we're thinking about young children and this is true for everybody, even adults, but let's just talk about young children. We need space to think, to play, to imagine, to investigate, to be bored. Boredom is actually like a really great thing because it's a launching pad to like, who knows what, and kids solve their own problems. They start Mm -hmm. to learn about making decisions and planning and trying new things. So we don't want to fill up all their time because that's taking away from some really rich, meaningful experiences that they would have. If you think as an adult, think of yourself when you go for a run or you're in the shower or you are maybe driving, you have like, oh, this is such a great idea. Why didn't I think of this before? And it's because you're having that same kind of moment. You're having the like, let's not, I'm not getting new input. I'm not having to do a new thing. I'm not having to attend to a task. My brain can just think and imagine Things are coming together. Actually, a fun fact that I really love because we focus on adult learning a lot too is sleep Mm -hmm. is one of the best things you can do for learning because your brain does its job. Your brain's really busy. Like I use the analogy of a, um, like an inbox. So like all day long, you're getting stuff in your inbox. And when you're sleeping, your brain's like, let me file that. Oh, look, I already have this thing in this folder. These two things go together. Like that's what's happening in boredom too, in that space. So you don't want to overschedule kids because you're taking that away. You're adding stress to your life. Mm -hmm. You're adding stress to their life and you're stressed. You cannot learn. And um, so, you know, it's up to each family. Like if your child's really interested in an instrument, great. 
And then maybe you diversify them a little bit and add as something else, like a, mm -hmm. maybe it's an academic thing or maybe chess or maybe a sport or whatever it is. But, you know, two, three things at a time is a lot. That's, That's a lot. enough. That's enough. That's already a lot. You do, you don't, but you also want to be careful about starting so early. Like your whole life is going to be about softball and that's all it's going to be. Yeah. And you're going to sign up for everything. It's going to be five days a week. You want to be, that's not even good on their growing bodies. It's hard on their growing yeah. bodies in fact. So um, just mm. think about that. The more is not better. The richness of the experience and the time on something is what's the best. And you dilute that when they're doing so many Too different much. things. Yeah. There's like a balance there. I'm a big fan of sports for youth sports. I'm a big fan of active musical instruments. I, we've got lots of different like enrichment things happening at my house with my kids, but we, I, I am really careful about making sure that my kids have some playtime and that looks different for my 15 year old than it does for my 10 year old, right? Like the way my 15 year old yep. plays looks a lot different than it used to, yeah. but she still does <laughs> yeah. it. She still will. You know, she yeah. does nail art. She sits at the dining room yeah. table and she paints her nails and does cool designs. And she, her brain is just resting and she's not creative just and crazy. Exactly. And, yeah. So it's yep. like, everyone's yep. got their thing and just making time for that. Yep. So important. So important. Yep. When we talk about this topic, a lot of times parents will ask a question like, well, what if they don't like it? Or what if they want to quit or what something like that? And I, um, we joke around like, yeah, if you paid the registration fee, you're going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> you can do this dream for a little bit longer. Um, but I think it's one of the things I did, and this is not like, there's no science behind this. I just offer this as a strategy is I gave my kids like once a year, you get to quit something. And we're going to, but the rest of it, you got to stick with. So if you're going to try this thing and you are saying, this is not for me, I'm really unhappy. This yeah. is a terrible use of my time. It's not because I just had a bad time this one time. Or, or if you as a parent, of course, feel like it's in an inappropriate, maybe it's a terrible coach or, uh, you know, there's something about it. You know, there's, a, there's, there's also a place for saying, this isn't right for me, yeah. but sticking with it and the tenacity of, I, I said, I would do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Even if I don't love it, there's, there's so much value there's there. There's value so. there too. Yeah. When my kids quit something that they've, they've given it a good try and they don't want to do it anymore. I like to say they retired. Oh, you've retired <laughs> from basketball. Okay. We're going <laughs> to move on from yeah. that activity. That didn't work out yeah. and it was yeah. too much stress and you didn't, and the coach wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, wasn't a fit for whatever reason. It's just a nicer way of saying it. You've retired from Yeah, that. it is. I think one other thing about this too, is you also want to make sure that, and I know I said it, but I'm going to clarify this a little bit more is you want to think of that whole child development. Yeah. You, you don't want to like be building your future tennis star from the time they're two years old. And that's it that they do because it also, or academics or whatever, you want to keep the thing. You don't want to, you don't, and you don't want to like, okay, you're only going to do this one thing. You sort of average them out in a way because they're not well-rounded. Um, and you can also do this with like school. If, if your child is struggling in a subject and all you do is then, okay, now you're going to go to tutoring and now you're going to go to after school. And now right. we're going to do this. Then, then what about the things that they're really good at? You want the strengths, you want the things that they're working on, the things that they're interested in. I mean, if you can't do that in childhood, when can you That's do right. it? It's harder and harder. So make sure that they're doing that in childhood so they can learn the skills to navigate all those situations as long as, and as well as build those, that whole child development. Love it. Love it. Let's keep dispelling those myths, Rachel. I've got another one for you. A true or false. Um, there are a thousand neural connections made per second in the first year of life. This is a trick question. 
for our listeners. When I started, when I was a center director long ago, so I started as an after-school aide. That's why I've been in it for so long because I did. I truly started it when I was age 15 as an after-school aide. And, um, but when I was a center director, which was about a decade plus later, I, it was 700 neural. That's what, what, that's what we knew. 700 neural connections per second. We're like, wow, that's so many. And now we, now we know it's a million, a million, one million per second. The, the way that I get my head around this is you think about all of the things that a baby needs to be able to do to reach for something. So they have to understand where their limbs are and their fingers and that they have fingers and that they can move them and that yeah. they can move each joint of their finger and that they can move it. There's some, that brain body connection going on, just all those details that it takes. And we can, you can, as I'm speaking, I bet everyone can imagine a baby, like their arms, like not quite going in the right direction yeah. and they're trying so hard and their eyes get big and they want to make it happen. Yeah. All those neural connections are happening right there. They don't have them. They're firing off and they're getting stronger and they're strengthening. And so that's why, that's why there's so many neural connections for every single thing that they are learning mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I used to work with parents who had little, little, littles, like two, like eight week old babies. And I'd say, you're not going to believe me, but when you celebrate this baby's first birthday, they're going to be sitting in a chair by themselves reaching for a piece of birthday cake that they're going to shove in their own mouth. And it's not <laughs> going to be precise. And this is like, there's no possible way that this eight week old baby will be able to learn all of that in a year. And I'm like, it's going to happen. They're going to be able to yeah. pick up their own piece of food and shove it in their face with like semi-accurate <laughs> precision. Or, or shove it in your face. Or shove it in my face. Correct. <laughs> Both of those things have happened to me. Oh, yeah. It's just such Both. so much happening that first year. It's just a completely different animal. So much. Yeah. I mean, they're, I always, I've said this a bunch of times, probably on the podcast, but they're learning everything about everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. Like when you're an adult, you kind of zero, like, I don't want to learn about that. That's too much for me. I can't take that in. I'm not good at that. You get all these barriers and constructs to protect how much you're taking in. But babies, they don't, first of all, they don't even know how to do that if they wanted to. And they're all, they're here for it. They're here for it all. Yes. <laughs> they want to learn all, yeah. like, how does this blade of grass feel and also taste? And how, what, what do I do? <laughs> if, you know, if I pull the cat's tail, what, what happens then? What, what, you know, what if I cry like this? What happens then? Like everything, they want to figure it all out. And I think a couple things about this is to really think about, well, since brain architecture that's happening. So right. we think about 90% of the brain is development developed by the age of five, but it's not brain skills that are age five. Right. They're not, you know, fully that's lots of work has to happen there. This is about the kind of the quantity and the structure. So if your body was growing at that same rate, you'd be adult sized by that's the right. time you were five. And you, so you can't see the brain development, but we could see body development. So maybe that can help think about just how much you'd be like large adult size. Yeah. Um, so you can help think about that a little bit. And the other thing is often people talk about, is it nature or is it nurture? But the research now has told us pretty conclusively that it's actually both yeah. that nurture nurture shapes nature. So the experiences you have from the womb even affect every the, who, who you come, you come with some stuff, you come with temperament, you have genetics that kind of what your propensities are. Some of your abilities even are built in there. That's right. 
And one of the analogies I use is like, you're, you're, you're a pile of clay. Everyone's a pile of clay, <laughs> but your life experiences shape that. It, they mold it, they grow it. They, it's wide or deep or long or painted colorfully or, or cracking or, you know, good and bad for good and bad. Yeah. So the nature is affected by the nurture significantly, yeah. even to the point that nurture can affect genetics. Nurture can change genes, especially if it's toxic stress or trauma. Yeah. So it, it can make that big of an impact. Um, so that's what we should think about. Get to know each of these kids. You want to know your child, what their likes are, who they are, and then make knowing that you're just parenting attention, the quality of time you spend with them, the amount of focus you give them, the connections, the nurturing, responsive care, the joy, the walk around the neighborhood, the story time every night that they can rely on. When you pick them up from school or child care center, that you're looking them in the eye on their level saying, I really want to know about your day. Mm -hmm. Those things are the things that matter the most, not the lessons, not the apps, not all the other stuff that you're worried about. Those things that you can do every day are the things that matter the most. Yeah. I mean, Rachel, that's exactly right. And I just, I hope all of our listeners know that yeah, child development is complicated. Parenting is really challenging in moments, but the best thing you can do is just grab those small moments. It's not necessarily the quantity, it's the quality of those connections right. that you're making with your child. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, you know, over the next couple of weeks, when you're thinking you need to be busy signing up for T-ball and getting, renting the clarinet or whatever, 9,000 things you're going to do and your child's right next to you. Actually, the better thing to do is turn your attention there, give them that 15 minutes that will enrich them more mm. than all those other things. You can do all those other things, but hopefully our gift to you is to know that you've got what it takes and your attention and your nurturing, loving care is the most important thing for young, your young child to thrive and flourish. As Rachel and Claire shared, it can be tricky to separate fact from fiction when it comes to child development. Rest assured, as parents and caregivers, one of our most important jobs is to simply be there for them and find special moments of connection as they learn and grow. Get parenting advice from Rachel and Claire. You can leave them a voicemail by calling 617-673-8881 and your question may be answered in a future episode of Teach Play Love. You can also send them an email at teach.playlove at brighthorizons.com. For more expert guidance on early childhood development, check out our family resources at brighthorizons.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love. And discover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.